Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. All right, guys, how are we doing? Good. Do you have your Bibles? Good. Grab them. While you're grabbing them, you know what, what really stood out to me today is Philippine on the keys. Was that crazy? Can we just thank God for, for that gift right there? So good. So good. Thankful. All right. Hey, uh, as you're grabbing your Bibles, uh, we're going to be all over the scriptures today. We are wrapping up our Kingdom Family series today. I'm wrapping up the series uh, talking about uh, friendship and hospitality in the body. And so that's where we're going uh, today. We're going to be bouncing all through the scriptures, seeing how this is a common theme um, and uh, seeing how this is a part of God's heart. Before we get there, though, I do want to remind us that if you're interested in Leader Group, Leader Group is a, is a 10-week uh, group where you walk with me and my wife, Adrian. Uh, if you're interested in discovering more about leadership at Providence, uh, we just want to, anything that we've got, we just want to give to you. And if you want to be in leadership at Providence, you must, from now on, go through Leader Group first. We're taking leadership really seriously. And so um, there's more information at the Connection Center, but the Leader Group informational meeting will be after the service. Uh, today, right around here somewhere. Someone just told me it's no longer in the prayer room. It might be in stage two. I don't know. Maybe we'll meet on, on the back, but just kind of uh, do your best to roll with this uh, today. But leader group, an informational meeting will be today. Just because you come to the meeting doesn't mean that you're going to be in it, uh, whether you want to or not. We're, we're going to kind of go down through the, the guidelines, and uh, but anybody can come if you're interested in just hearing and asking some questions. So excited to walk with you guys. It's going to be happy, and we're going to giggle a whole lot in leader group. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, um, the testimony booth, I can't encourage you enough to, to, um, to just share your God's story. If God has blessed you or used you to bless somebody else, would you please tell us that? And so the next two Sundays after the service, please just, uh, just ask the Holy Spirit for the courage to sit down and brag on God. Amen? So we want to hear about that. Um, there's lots of other things going on. I'll just wrap things up with this one. The WIN Conference is our uh, yearly family gathering where we as a church host uh, all of our friends from, uh, from in town, from out of town, we welcome all the other churches in the area. We really believe that God wants to plant the Wind Conference and use it for a, a kingdom impact. And it's uh, crossing denominational barriers and borders. God wants to, our church to hang with the Baptists. Come on. God wants the Baptists to hang with the Methodists. Come on, somebody. God wants the Presbyterians to hang with the Mennonites. Whoa, don't do it. Uh, so, but, uh, so I just want to encourage you. Uh, to please come, uh, please come to this. We can't host all of these wonderful people that we're bringing in unless Providence Church shows up, guys. And last week, I want to tell you, there were some wild, kingdom-minded, fiery-eyed pioneers, 15 of you that actually signed up last week. 15. Can we hear a round of applause for those 15 wild people? All right. But Providence is a church of hundreds and hundreds of people. And so I'm just asking you today to please, we have a booth in the foyer, uh, please, uh, please sign up today and you are going to be blessed and you're going to help us be a blessing as a church. This is something that we're carrying as a church. If you're Gen Z, so 25 years old and, and uh, lower, 25% off today on the, on the price if you sign up today. And then I think Pastor Philip just told me that he's just going to give the Providence discount to anybody who, who signs up today in the foyer. It does cost some money, but it's an investment. Investment into the kingdom and into your own heart, into your own family, all right? Lots of other things. Uh, as we were wrapping up this series, the Kingdom Family Series, which I'm going to miss, actually. I've loved uh, combing through the scriptures, and, and I, I believe that these are days where we need to go deeper into the Word of God, and we need to hang out in, like, even one concept. And so the concept of kingdom family uh, is really important. I believe that God's going to do that. And as we do that one more time today, um, for, a, for a while, uh, I I think it's going to be good for us, but I do want to tell you what's coming up the next few weeks. I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about worship, a good theology of worship. We don't really have a series on this designed up or anything. I just want to share about worship because I think the biggest criticism that I get from people is that the worship is too long, too weird, 
too much, all right? Um, I, someone told me, man, if you didn't let people dance, Providence would be 600 people larger. Um, and uh, there's a lot of weird stuff. People write letters to me, don't sign it, don't put their address on that. Like, homie, don't roll. This pastor, don't roll like that. I burn it immediately, all right? So, uh, it, but uh, almost always it's a criticism of our worship. I want to tell you, I understand it. This is a lot for a lot of us. If you've come from one of those Baptist, Mennonite, Presbyterian, Methodist churches that I, I mentioned, it is a whole lot. But I think the, the bigger thing is, is that we have, we have been fed the lie that church is ultimately about people. All right? And at Providence, now you see the, the, those three words on that wall? That's just to remind all of us that this is a Jesus church, you see. And so I, I want to... And ultimately, what, what that means is we, if Jesus likes it and we don't, we go with what Jesus likes. So the next few weeks, I'm just going to be showing you, hey, I know that someone honking a shofar in your ear might be a little strange to you. But the question is, did Jesus like that? Or did Jesus like that? And if you can show me in the scriptures where he is appalled by a shofar blast, all right, then listen, we will shut, we will shut it down. But if you can't, it's, a, it's an invitation to a deeper work in you, you see? All right? So that is what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. I might invite some friends to speak into this as well. And then after that, we're going to finish out the entire fall with a series uh, that I'm calling Par Parables and Miracles. We're looking at the parables and miracles of Jesus. We're just going to look at him. We're going to look at what he did and how he operated and the stories that he told. And we are just going to feast on it and love on him as we get to just literally look at the stories that Jesus told and look at the things that Jesus did. Man, I'm, man I'm, I'm feeling it. Woo! Ouch! Ow, that one hurt. Uh, but uh, anyway, good. You guys, you guys ready for this? Grab, uh, grab your Bibles. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17a. It's just, a, it's just a short verse. And it basically says this. It says, a friend loves at all times. That, my friends, is a massive statement, is it not? A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Now, we've been talking about family, but I want to broaden it today, and I want to talk about friendship today because I believe that friendship is a very, very, very essential and important part to kingdom family. Do you know that in a family, you should be friends? Anybody? You should be friends in your family. You shouldn't just, it shouldn't be heartless. It shouldn't be passionless. It shouldn't be desireless. It, it should be fun. So when we talk about family, and I, I've talked a lot about covenant. This is a covenant union. And, you know, what green light sex is not love. It's, it's a covenant. And like, everyone's like, yes. You know, uh, at least that's how I've been. Uh, but uh, that I, I don't want us to miss, though, the fun and the, and the happiness and the laughter and the joy that comes into kingdom family through friendship. Really important. Recapping just for a moment. We said that marriage is a covenant union. It's wonderful. Uh, covenant is what starts a new family. All right? Very, very important. The context for sex is covenant. It is not love. All right? And I, I, listen, here's a, if you come to me for pre-marriage counseling, I'm going to tell you this story after I ask you if you're sleeping together. <laughs> all right? That's, that's, I'm just warning you. Don't come to me, I'm telling you, unless you want to feel that question. All right? Because it's important. Here's what happens when you're having premarital sex outside of covenant marriage. It's like, it's like the, the relationship that you're building, it's like you're pouring the foundation so the concrete is wet. And when you sleep together before covenant, you're slipping uh, dynamite into the wet foundation. And then it dries, but it dries, it dries hot and live, wired, all right? And sometime during your marriage, the dynamite's going to go off and it's going to hurt stuff. All right, so I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I promise I'm not. But God is trying to say, here's the foundation that you build on, and I, don't want, I want you to experience the joy of kingdom family and don't hurt it. Do you know what, what, though? God is big enough to put your foundation back together. Anybody say amen here? All right? Because, listen, marriage is ultimately about Jesus, and I want you to think about this. As we're saying things, and you might feel guilty and ashamed, you might feel like, man, I just really missed the mark on that one. Let me tell you this, the cross is bigger than your ability to hit the mark, 
all right? And I think that when Jesus looks over your marriage and Jesus looks over your relationship and even Jesus looks over what you did last night or what you thought last week, all right, I want to tell you that he's not angry at you, beloved. He is compassionate. It's like, remember, Jesus looked over Jerusalem and wept over the city that stones and kills the prophets and was about to kill him. All right, and that is how he's looking over you right now. It's, it's the, it's his heart for you is wild, and he wants you to line up with his heart. And so that's really the posture that God has on this. We looked at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and we said that family has a designer. So the goal of family is not to figure out how you do it. The goal of family is not to release your uniqueness. The goal is not to figure out how you do you. The goal is not self-discovery when it comes to family. The goal is how do we live out and partner with the designer? designer of this thing. And so that is the goal of family, partner with the designer. And then we looked uh, briefly at Isaac and Rebecca and how they got married. And we saw that when you're seeking your spouse, the number one priority is the kind of person that they are, not necessarily the kind of person that you're attracted to, okay? Attraction is good. It's just not most important. It is not the priority. And, and uh, learning to be attractive uh, attracted to a, a person's character instead of just their body is something that our culture does not know. We've lost touch with it, but it's a more powerful, steamy, passionate attraction in the long run. Can somebody say, wow, or something like that? Okay, I feel like I'm losing you already. And then we talked, I had one week about walking in unity and handling conflict. And this is, this is what, what a disunity is to, to a family, is, is what rust is to a car, is what cancer is to a body. It is, it's like, it's, it's just horrible. And so I'm encouraging us, any kind of conflict, any kind of negative feelings towards anybody else in the, family, in the kingdom family of God, you go to the person, not to their friends, not to their parents, not to their loved ones, not to their, not to, you know, acquaintances, but you go to the person first with grace and humility. And we talked about all of these things and we could keep going for the rest of the year on this topic, but today we're talking about friendship because it's so important to God and uh, specifically um, hospitality in the kingdom of God. Do you know that the word hospitality does not come from the word uh, hostile, but hospital, all right? It comes, it, the hospital, the, so the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom family of God, we're called on to be good friends. We're called on to be a hospital for people, all right? Now, I'm not sure if I've ever heard a sermon on biblical friendship in church. Anybody else? I, I don't think, I think I preached this to like 20 years ago to some, uh, to some youth when I was a youth pastor because clicks and stuff were on a rampage and stuff. I was like, no, this isn't kingdom friendship here, guys. But I don't think that we focus much on it or enough on it. And it's unfortunate because biblically, friendship is so important to God. To Jesus. Do you know that Jesus even called his disciples his friends? He says, he says you're moving from servant that I, keep, that I keep stuff from to friends, which I give everything to. Do you know that? That God cares about your friends. He cares about you having friends, and he cares about you being a good friends, a friend. He wants you to have friends. He wants you to belong. He wants you to find your tribe, and he, he wants you to be a friend, or in other words, a representative of his heart to others. And friendship is really, really hard. It's difficult. And in my experience, um, I, I promised God this morning that I wasn't going to preach from pain this morning. So if you see that, like wave a flag or something at me, say, wow, you're getting a little, a little spicy. And it's not in a Jesus direction. It's a pain direction. So I, I promised Jesus that I, I wouldn't do this. But my experience is that friendship is much more difficult and much more painful for me than family. And that's saying a lot because when I was, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, my parents got divorced. It was, mad. It was, it was absolutely devastational. My dad was a pastor at the time. That is a no-no in the denomination that we were in. We were kind of kicked to the curb in a lot of ways. So I've got a lot of family pain, but none of it holds a candle to the friendship pain that I've experienced as a pastor. Um, do you know there's a recent stat that came out? You know, the average person, and this is hard for, for people, the average person loses seven significant relationships in a lifetime. All right, now that is hard. So when we talk about friends, it is easier, just sometimes it's easier if you're just, if you're just on pain awareness here and you just, you just don't want to feel anything, it is easier just not to have them, okay? But do you know the average pastor loses seven significant relationships 
Not a lifetime, but a year. Do you know that? All right? So, and then, and then I signed up for this gig, but my kids didn't. So, to, for, my, for my family, for when you look at pastors, have, have a bit of compassion if they don't welcome you in and lay out the red carpet for you first because they're used to being hurt in the friendship area. Now, um, I, this is an area that God's been healing me on. Soul care is super, super important for me in this area. And I feel like I'm back in a healthy area where uh, I'm having people back to my house again. I'm actually telling uh, jokes in the pulpit again sometimes, too. I'm not so guarded that uh, I'm super worried about what people think of me. But, man, is it hard uh, to walk through this and lose people that you've given your heart to. But listen, let me tell you this. Friendship runs a risk, but it's worth the risk. And I'm telling you this right now. It is better to live by giving your heart to people in real friendship and then having your heart hurt than keeping your heart from people. I'm telling you right now. I'm a testimony of this. I might get in the testimony booth next week and say, hey, it's worth it. Come on. All right? So I don't know your story, but I do know that where you're hurt is usually what you guard. Okay, and so many times what happens in the church is, is everyone's heard of church hurt, but it's not just church hurt. It's called, it's, it's called being humans, <laughs> and we are, you know, the church gets this, we're wrapped. Yeah, everybody gets hurt if you're a human being. It's, it's good just even to look around the room for a moment, and if you do life with these people for at least six months, I mean do life with them for six months, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get frustrated, you're going to get annoyed, you're going to get ticked off, you're going to get peeved, all right, whatever that means. You're going to get hurt. If the only way around is life in isolation, but that is not kingdom family, okay? So friendship, guys. And you know what happens as a pastor, I just want to share this too. When the, when the church is so focused on not getting hurt, that creates a culture. And so when visitors who need Jesus walk in our doors... And need a hospital. Hospitals don't happen, but by guards do not create great hospitals. All right? They just say, dum, dum. There's where you sit. But there's no warmth. There's no tenderness, guys. You know, great hospitals are created by people who are willing to give their heart away. All right? But uh, the, some, of the, some of the pain is, is difficult. Listen to this. In Psalm 88, 18, this is King David he says, he's blaming God on this one. He says, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Now, that's the ESV. I read it in the NIV. I think the NIV translates that, uh, translates this pretty well as well. It says, says this, it says, darkness is my only companion. All right? Now, that's hard, and, but that's real, is it not? There's some of us that say this. Listen, I would rather have darkness as my companion than keep losing best friends. All right, so that's very real. If King David felt it, listen, we can feel it. But Job chapter 19, verse 19, this is Job after he's lost everything, all right, and he didn't lose everything because he, he'd done anything wrong. He actually lost everything uh, after living a life of faithfulness, <laughs> all right? So he's lost everything, didn't do anything wrong, all right? But he says this, all my intimate friends, or this would be my best friends, intimate friends, listen, the people I've let into my heart, the people, intimacy is just think this, into me you see. So the people I've, I've let look into me, my intimate friends, abhor me. Sometimes you look into somebody's heart and you find out it was their personality that you liked. You don't like the real them. I think sometimes that is the fear. I, I, I'm, I've got this pleasant personality, but if people see the real me, they will reject me. Well, Job knows that one well. All my intimate friends abhor me. They hate me. They don't like me, to say the least. And those whom I loved have turned against me. All right? So, the, uh, man, this is, this is it's going from bad to worse here for Job. But we even see, do you know what? Do you know who experienced the loss of friends? It's Jesus himself. He's very familiar with this suffering. Uh, Mark, chapter 14, verse 50, Jesus, um, after Jesus uh, has just washed his disciples' feet, after he's just served them Passover, 
after he's just told them, all of you are going to reject me tonight, and all of them pledge their allegiance to Jesus, King Jesus. We would never do that. Take a bullet for you. We'll go to the, to the stake for you. We'll do anything for you. Look, look at this. Mark chapter 14, verse 50. They all left him and fled. As soon as the heat was turned up and the officials showed up with spears, Bing, 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 bing. We're out of here one by one. Some of them watched from a distance, but no one stood with Jesus in his moment. All right? And so, yeah, so you can pledge allegiance all you want, but uh, a real friend stands in the heat with you. But I, I'm skipping ahead here. All right? So I want you to, I want you to, uh, well, I already mentioned this, but look around the room, and we're deciding here that no matter what I see, and people, when they give their heart to me, I'm not going to abhor them. I'm not going to reject them. Same thing, all right? And people do not have to perform for me to be my friend. And I do not have to perform for them. Like, well, this is not the culture that we're creating. That is not a kingdom culture. I think many times if you like hunting, the hunters hang together. If you like music, the music hangs hang together. If you like money, the money hangs together. Coffee people are the worst, all right? They're the snobbiest. I'm telling you like this. Suddenly, you can't have Maxwell House or because they're just like, eh, you know? So they're the worst. I, and it is okay to hate them. I, I mean, I love them. I mean, I love them. But uh, so, so, so many times you say, not my people, not my people, not my people. Listen, that is how the world does friendships, where you do friendships based on what you like, which is really just self-worship, all right? So this is not, if, if people are made in the image of God and they don't like the same coffee as you or they're not into hunting and you can't love them for who they are, listen, you've got some serious problems that God wants to work out in you. And let me say it this way, that God's got more for you than that, all right? You can be a better friend than that. If you're here today and you're under like a victim mentality that says, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I can't have friends anywhere, no matter what church I go to, no friends, no matter what group I go to, no friends, and you're just this victim thing, listen, focus on being a friend. It is so attractive in a dark world, all right? So I want to go deeper. I want to get deeper roots. I want to get deeper roots than just who we're attracted to, what kind of coffee they like, what kind of pastimes they prefer. There's nothing wrong with those things, but there's a depth that holds us together when it gets hard. I want us to actually create a culture where annoyance and disagreement have no power to sever relationships. All right. I think so many times I think the people that have gotten annoyed at me are the people that just would have led Providence differently than me. Many times they watched from the exterior. They made opinions based from there. They never asked questions, but man, they got, right? And so it gets hard. Listen, that is watching from the outside, making opinions, and then forcing those things from the outside. That is not kingdom culture. That is not kingdom family. That's not even kingdom friendship. You, you look into a person intimately. You step into their shoes. You hear their heart. And listen, Matt, this is, this is the kicker here. You allow yourself to disagree with them without it ruining, severing, and obliterating a friendship. All right? We, we have to go deeper into this. So a guarded culture is the opposite of a kingdom culture. All right? Maybe you're a dad here. Listen, if you guard your heart, you don't share it with your kids. It's not a kingdom culture. I'm just, this is, this is an appeal to you all today to open your heart again. We sing about it. Keep my heart tender. Keep my heart pure. I want to be like Mary, right? With her alabaster. She's just given what she's got away. Man, and that is the, that is the cutting edge for a kingdom culture and specifically for friendship. So God's design for friendship here today, guys, is what I want to jump into. We read Proverbs 17, 17. I will come back to that. But I want us to flip again to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, um, verse 15. We got 17, 17. We got 15, 15. Is this, well, what's going on here, all right? Let, let me read this to us. This is, this is I, I'm pulling this one verse out, but the context is Jesus is speaking lovingly and openly uh, to his disciples, not just to everybody, all right, he's speaking lovingly and openly directly to his disciples, and he says this in John chapter 15, verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. All right, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. 
But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is a massive statement. I think many times we over-spiritualize the servant part. We should be a servant to other, to other people. We should serve. But there is a capacity, though, God. There is an understanding that we are friends of God through the blood of Jesus, through the cross of Jesus as well. Where God actually shares his heart with us, he doesn't just tell us what to do as servants. Servants, you, you don't share your heart with. You just do this, do that. You order them around. And many of us like a Christianity like that. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Especially when you want to please your master and you please by performance. All right? Tell me what to do. I'm going to do it well. All right? That is actually not a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture is God is like, hey, hey, let's take it a step past servanthood into friendship. I'm going to start sharing with you the things in my heart. And Jesus says this, man, this is, this is where we've moved to today. Jesus calls, listen, this is, well, I'm reading it out of the scriptures themselves. This isn't some crazy, like, listen, I think many of us, we, we, we think of, you know, the song, I am a friend of God, and we're like, Aah! and we're just like, run, right? So, right, okay. Well, at its essence, though, it's something to celebrate. That God, through the cross, through the gospel, would not call you servant, but also friend. Wow, hold on. Maybe your animosity towards the song is that you like a Christianity where you're a servant but not a friend. God's calling you deeper into that. Friendship is letting others in, letting people into your heart, letting people into your life, letting people into your hopes. Man, if you wanna get really crazy, letting them into your dreams. And, and many a times we, we do, uh, what we discover is that many of us are actually treating people as servants because we're afraid to let them in. In this time period, servants did life with families, all right? They spent time with families, but they didn't know the heartbeat of families. They didn't know the feelings and the, the warmth of family. They, did, they, they followed the family around so then they could take an order, Man, Christianity like that is not really Christianity. All right, do you know, do, in the kingdom, do you know who does that? It's the angels. You know that? The angels are the ones who serve like that. Do you know that the Bible says the angels wish they were in our place? All right? If you just, just read about angels, do a, a little study on it. I think you'll like it. But the angels wish that they were the blood-bought, redeemed sons and daughters in the family of God, not as servants, but as, as family, as friends, where God actually shares his heart with them. So friendship, listen to this. Many of us know this. We, we, we think of a Christianity that we, we keep friendship out here. We, we over-highlight uh, servanthood. And, but I want to tell you this, that friendship is not about using. It's about sharing. May we befriend. We befriend somebody who has something that we think that we need. They're, they're useful to us. That's not friendship. Friendship is, is deciding you're going to share you with them. Jesus says, I've made known to you what my Father's made known to me. You're making known to others. That is friendship. Jesus isn't finding the people who are the most skilled. Okay, I'm going to need them. I'm going to need them. Jesus doesn't need. Jesus wants. I want to have friends. <laughs> friends that, that are so full of me in my heart that, that they, they storm the nations in my name. Right, it's a, it's a whole different thing. Well, how about Ecclesiastes, guys? Who, when's the last time you read the book of Ecclesiastes? Listen to this, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12, it says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. You hear that? Two are better than one. Look at verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Look at verse 11. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is just talking to God's design for relationships. Just God's design. Like this is, you're not made to do life alone. And friends here, here's what friends do. Narrowed it down to two basic things. Friends help each other. Someone falls down. 
You pick them up. That's what a friend does. Someone's cold, you warm them up. That's my favorite, all right? Yeah, they cuddle. If, they, if that's what you need, they will, all right? But friends also have each other. They have each other's backs. Someone gets attacked on their own. Oh, someone gets attacked when you're with a friend. Wow, now we've got a fun situation developing. You can count on them to lift you when you fall. You can count on them to not kick you while you're down or judge you while you're down, but to help you up. They, you, know, you can count on them to not say, why did you do it? You know? But once they help you up, they say, how are we not going to trip next time? Right? That's a real friend. You can, a, a real friend is on your team in opposition. A real friend does not join the resistance. Let me, let me tell you this. If someone joins the resistance when you're being attacked and they join your attackers, let me just tell you, let, this, is, this is real simple. It might be healing to you. They were never your friend. All right? That, that's as simple as that. They just weren't. And so praise God for the attack that surfaced the reality. All right? Let's change perspectives on this. All right? So a friend, you help each other. You have each other. This is the way that God designed life to happen. Look at Proverbs 17, 17 for a second. I already read this, but it's really the heartbeat of this whole thing. A friend loves at all times. Here's the thing that I want you to hear, that a friend does not change heart posture when seasons change. All right? Those would be called fair weather friends. All right? A fair weather friend is someone that as long as it's nice out, they're cool with you. All right? But a real friend, the Bible says, a friend loves. So you have a friend's love. All right? This is kind of like, this is, this is the... The, what, you, what you send this to. This is kind of like the process. This is kind of like the test. How do I know? Well, a, a friend loves at all times, not just sometimes. Now, we're not talking about perfection here, but over the course of life, over the course of it, sometimes everyone's going to fail, but over the course of life, a friend hangs in there no matter what time it is, nighttime, daytime, mountain time, valley time, fall, winter, summer, all right, whatever season it is, your friend can be found there. They're not a fair weather friend. So a kingdom friendship is no matter what season you're in, you don't have to wonder if you're loved. Do you see how this is, see how we put kingdom in front of this friendship? Kingdom friendship. God wants us, loves us, is for us, not based on our performance or not based on the season that we're in. Like, he is there with us. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says, speaking of Jesus. And then friends do the same thing. Hey, I'm with you. Sometimes some of my friends have gone through stuff. I have, no, I have nothing that they need. I can't give them money. I can't give them this. I can't. Here's what I can do is I can be for them, be for them in their worst time not leave them when the going gets hard. Um, there's a, you know, the, a fair weather friend is similar to an I love you if friend. I love you if friend. That's it. Once again, these are not friends, but they, 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 try to, they try to disguise themselves at this. Basically, it comes down to I love you if you do it my way. I love you if you don't annoy me. I love you if fill in the blank. Like you, you have to take the if out of kingdom friendship and kingdom family. There's no if involved, all right? I just love you at all times. Man, it's powerful. It's healing from my heart when I discovered that people that I thought were friends, they actually were not friends, acquaintances. They were in my life for a season, gave my heart to them for a season, but they were more of an assignment than a loss of friendship. I did not lose friends. I lost people who were trying to make me their servant. All right, we don't need that. That's it. We, we've got enough of that. We don't need someone just doing this to you. Do my way, my way, my way. Just I'm not sharing my heart. Just go do what I'm telling you to do. And when you stand up to a user, all right, the relationship might break, but can I tell you that a, a, a broken relationship with someone that is committed to using you and not befriending you is a welcome brokenness, you see, all right? So keep our heart kind and pure. You know how you keep your heart kind and pure, all right? With people that have hurt you, people that you thought you were friends, they actually turned out to be users of you instead of real friends, is that you pray for them, all right? Guys, listen to this. I'm telling you, it might be hard, and maybe you have to start this prayer with help, and the Holy Spirit will take from there. But I'm telling you, you take your best prayers, 
I'm telling you, you take all the best things. I pray all of the best things that you know into your, your supposed friends. Just pray for them. Just call heaven down on them. God, bless them. Let their kids have a scholarship over my kids. Let their kids be blessed. Let their hearts be, let their whatever be blessed. God, please. And the enemy will shut up very fast, I promise, as far as using this as an attack that takes you off course. Because really what's happening is, is kingdom is coming out of you and, then, and we're actually operating and what Jesus does very well is loving his enemies. And we actually declare the people who left me are not my enemies. I'm praying blessings. They are an object of my blessings is what they are. All right, you don't have to trust them again. You don't have to. You don't have to do life with them. But they've got to turn into an object of your blessing, in a kingdom sense, and uh, that's where the power comes. All right, Proverbs chapter twenty-seven, verse six says this: "Faithful are the wounds of a friend." Now, this is a powerful thought. And I had to say everything that I already said before this. Because many times we part ways with somebody who tells us what we don't want to hear. Okay, now there's some people that are unhealthy in this area and everything is built on them just sharing with you, nitpicking your whole life. I'm not, you don't need to welcome that. But what I'm talking about is a friend who's willing to stay the course with you, stand in with you, not, not use, you better change this or I'm gone against you. But someone who stand with you and say, listen, you're not going to like what I have to say, but I love you too much to not say it. Right? This, this area has to change. The, uh, this can also be translated, instead of faithful or the wounds of a friend, wounds from a, tr- a friend can be trusted. So if you've got people in your life and they've loved you at all times, every peak, every valley, every single thing, and they've, they've stood with you, and they've never given you a reason to doubt their faithfulness towards you, and then they tell you something that you don't want to hear. I'm telling you, you can trust that wound. It's, it's like this. It's like, uh, have you watched American Idol? It's been on for, you know, what, like 100 years now, right? So it just never goes away, right? But American Idol, it's always like people love watching these friendless idiots who come on there in the very beginning, and they're singing, and they have no business playing their instrument or opening their mouth in front of the professionals, all right? And then when they are told the truth, when they're finally told the truth and someone says, hey, I don't know how you got here, but uh, you shouldn't be, you're not a singer, all right? Then they get, uh, you just watch, I'd say half of the time at least, maybe more, people say, no one ever told me this, or they say, my friends love my voice. Well, listen, those aren't friends, those are called liars, all right? So they, there's, they've been lying to you, all right, all your life. Because they have not been faithful to you. A faithful person would say, hey, listen, hold on, listen. I, I know that you love doing karaoke. I, I know that, and, and when you sing for drunk people, of course they're going to like it. All right? So I listen, listen, let's, let's settle the record right now. All right? So you're not a singer, and I'm not about as a friend to let you go on national television and share your talent with others. Not doing it. Listen, I'll let you sing for me if you just need to get it out of your system, but you're not singing for Simon Cow, and that is official right now, right? So, but so many people, because it is hard to speak the truth, because you have to be a real friend, so many people just opt for not friendship, which is letting them go into the fire and be humiliated, all right? And the hurt... That the, the hurt that a real friend brings us is not unnecessary, it is necessary. It's like personal trainer hurt. If you say, hey, I want you to train me and I want you to push me because I have some goals, your trainer's going to push you through the pain, not because they don't like you, but because they're helping you become the real you, all right? It's personal trainer pain, and our friends should be like personal trainers to us. That, that's, they're not always going to be right. You don't always have to listen to them, but the beauty of real kingdom friendship is whether you listen to them or not, they're with you, all right? If you decide to walk out on stage and sing for Simon, they're off stage like, come on, Holy Spirit, get them, Lord. And they're like, wow, right? But uh, this, is, this is real friendship 
that faithful are the wounds of a friend. I remember my best friend growing up was actually my dog. He's a Shetland, she- Shetland sheep dog, miniature collie. He was absolutely obsessed with me. We got him from a, uh, a pound where he was abused. He would hide behind the couch for weeks. Finally, I would just sit there and talk to him. He finally came out and sat in my lap. I was about seven years old, and then he never left. He slept in my bed. Um, he, uh, when my parents tried to spank me, he would not let them. That's serious. Seriously, my dad always would want to spank me with different tools that he'd just kind of randomly find in the kitchen. One time he came in with like a rolling iron. I, I don't know why. And uh, I was like, Dad, what are you going to do with that? And my dog Toby was like, rah, 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 we're not going to find out. Rah, rah. Right? And he was just like, you can't come in here. Right? So, and I would just stand behind him like, Dad, I don't know what's wrong. It might be demons, but I kind of like it. You know, so I would just be. Toby would not let me be spanked, and when I would ride my bike, he would follow me. No matter where I'd go, he'd run next to me. One day, he was running, barking at me, didn't realize that I got too close to my front tire, and I ran over his face, all right? Knocked him clear out. He's bleeding out of his nose. I thought I killed him. He was laying there limp. I left my bike. I scooped up my dog. Head's bobbling, wobbling. I'm crying. I'm running him home. And I get there. My mom helps me nurse him uh, back to life. And he jumps right up, goes right back into, it's almost like he's saying, you ran over my face. I love you too much to care. All right? It's like, that's what I heard in the spirit. It's like, he's my spirit animal. And I was just like, I heard this. Like, it's just like, it's like the father. Hey, you can, we need friends where we say, you can run over my face. You can knock me out cold. I can be bleeding out of my nose. I'm going to assume the best, not the worst. I'm going to say it was one of your biggest accidents, but you are stuck with me. This is kingdom friendship. This is what the church needs so severely and so badly. I think the world is not repulsed by the church. I think it's repulsed by by professing Christians who refuse to carry the kingdom. But I I think that the most squabbly weird place happens to be the church. I think so many churches are growing because of transfer growth, not because of conversion growth. Man, when's someone going to get angry at that? Say, listen, we need to reach people and it's going to take us together. We've got to be friends. We've got to be friends. So walking in kingdom friendship requires that. But do you know something else that kingdom friendship requires? And this is my last point. Is it requires hospitality. Hospitality is a lost power word. In the, in the New Testament, this is, man, this, is what, this is what the church thrived on, hospitality. When you were on a journey back then and you couldn't stop at the Hampton Inn or, or whatever, you know, you would have to knock on somebody's door and say, me and my family are on a journey. We just need a place to crash. Can you help us? And so what would happen is this is where we get the word hospitality. They'd open the door. They'd say, right this way, no matter what time of the day or night, usually. And they'd say, we're going to be a hospital for you while you rest. What do you need? You need bread. You need water. You're going to sleep here. We're gonna, we are going to take care of you. And that, my friends, needs to be the vibe and the atmosphere and the culture of the church again. When you walk into church, man, it feels like you're walking into, like I've been to some hospitals, all right? And it's not a, and it's not a great thing. Uh, imagine a hospital that Jesus is in charge of, all right? And you walk into that and it's all the best and all the brightest and all the people with hearts open, ready to share and ready to care. Hospitality means you care for people. It does not mean you're hostile to people. You're a hospital for people. And the scriptures say to seek to show hospitality. This is 1 Peter 4. Seek to show hospitality. And seeking to show hospitality, that word right there means that hospitality doesn't happen by chance. It happens with intentionality. It also says, it's actually Romans, I think, is where it says seek to show hospitality. But Peter says show hospitality without grumbling. Okay, what ruins hospitality and just makes it manners is grumbling, but still welcoming people into your life like you like them. Do you hear that? We got, we got, we're good on manners around here in South Central Pennsylvania. We'll smile. Oh, yeah, come right. Yeah, right here. Yeah, take my bed. And you walk away. You say, man, what are these people are asking for everything? What else do they want next? All right, that is not hospitality. You don't grumble about it. If you grumble about it, it's not hospitality. It might be manners, but manners don't change the world. All right? 
So my dream for Providence is that we're a hospital for people. A Jesus church should be a hospital. Do you, do you know how many times, can you open the Gospels and see Jesus not being a hospital for people, healing their bodies, healing their hearts, healing their families? Can you do that? I can't. The dream for Providence is that we're a hospital for people. The dream for Providence is that we reverse the curse. And the curse on the church is no one can get it together and everyone's just trying to find the next church where they'll do it how I want it. I mean, I just want to reverse that. I want us to be family. I want us to imagine if we did that in our families. You know, what we do is called, it's in, in some cases, it's called divorce. The grass is greener on the other side. Thanks for the 11 years off. And we know how that ravages a family. Here in the church, you know how that ravages the church as the church just goes through divorce after divorce after divorce. And what makes it harder, I mean, I'm going to say it, Lord, I'm going to say it, all right? What makes it harder is when people leave, never tell me, but are angry that I didn't notice that they've left. Listen, I'm not a controlling pastor. If you're not here for a month, I, I assume the best. I'm not going to be on, on the phone. Like, hey, I've noticed that you, you're giving statements. I don't even look at giving statements. I, I see the bottom line. I don't look at individual givers. All right, so we're not watching that way, and it's, it's, it's intentional. You've got to let us know if you're leaving so we can, we can send you instead of lose you. All right, I've lost so many people. I've sent so few. Usually people don't have the honor, the respect, or the courage just to have a hard conversation, say, hey, listen, you're not doing it my way. Or, hey, listen, I, I, don't, I, I just don't like how you look. Or, why don't you wear different shoes? Or, or whatever. I had one person that sat me down and say, I just can't stand that you wear flip-flops while you preach. <laughs> oh. Um, so, hasta mañana, kimosabi, you know, whatever. I, I, yeah, don't let, whatever, you know. Yes. Should have worn them today. Uh, but, uh, guys, let's not be so guarded that people feel polite rejection from us anymore, all right? Let's be a hospital for people, all right? And it works both ways, guys. Is it, we're talking about Jesus and his glorious bride, the church. Let's, let's steward it with a little bit more care and concern and let's decide in our hearts right now, like we're not in covenant with people like in marriage, but we are in family with people. And there is a, there's a, a kind of understanding that we are, it is still covenantal to some degree, that I'm not church shopping. I haven't just decided that this is my church for this season, but I am actually showing up and I'm giving myself to these people. And then if you leave because God's calling you, that church has the honor of sending you. This is the churches receive and they send. They send their best into the nations and to neighborhoods. My friends, that is how the church is supposed to look like and I'm tired of it not. And I just want to see Jesus more gloriously magnified in this area. He is a friend of sinners. If Jesus is a friend of sinners, the Holy Spirit can give you the power and strength to be a friend to people who may not even like you. Man, with that, I've always dreamt of Providence being a place where Pentecostals and Presbyterians worship next to one another. And the Pentecostals saying, this person just doesn't get it. And the Presbyterians saying, if I got hit in the face with a shofar one more time. You know. But but it's bigger than your style or it's bigger than your stream. It's about Jesus. And so you, man, I'm going to be stretched. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. As iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another, man, I'm going to let this, this Pentecostal sharpen my Presbyterianism. And my Presbyterian John Edwards is going to sharpen this wild, crazy holiness movement Pentecostal. We're just going to become better for it. I think, like, you know, um, I, was, uh, I was in the weight room yesterday doing this. And if I do this, you know, and I stop as soon as it gets hard, I don't get stronger. You actually have to have a spotter there helping you. And it's, it's the last one. You do, you do all those reps for the last rep where you're just like, oh, you barely get it. But that is the growth. We are so afraid to tear our hearts and tear ourselves. We're so, we're so committed to a pain-free living that, that in that environment, friendship just can't happen. When, when it gets hard and you press in and you push it out, that is actually where growth happens. Let me leave this one with you. If 
Jesus on the cross. Thanks for checking out say, our Father, sermon of the them, week. If you have questions and we or would like to be connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org. Anyone can walk. Anyone can walk. Do you hear this? Anyone can walk through the doors of Providence. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. doesn't matter what you did. Like, we are welcoming people here. We're going to build a welcoming culture, a welcoming environment. People are going to be loved. People are going to be accepted. People don't change through shame. And we're going to see people wrecked by the heart of God and the power of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Word here. And we can't do that if we don't set a table for them first. And the way that we set a table is we decide that our hearts are going to be tender and we're going to be friends, and we're not going to guard as our first priority, but we're going to open our hearts as our first priority, and it's going to hurt. It is going to hurt. I know from massive experience. It is going to hurt. But let me tell you, it is worth it. I just imagine when I'm thinking about, like, guarding myself. And just, you know, do you know how easy it would be for me to get up here and just preach and tell you stuff and then, you know, ignore the weird comments, but, you know, just receive the good ones, but never share my life with you guys? Do you know how easy that would be for me? I could just collect a paycheck and I could just coast. But it's when you start sharing your life with people and you start saying, hey, anybody who wants to receive from anything that I've got in leadership, I want to invite you into a 10-week journey with me and my wife. Man, that you know that I'm committed to this if I bring my wife in on this because she has been devastated, guys. Like, you have absolutely no clue. My, my kids don't have friends. As soon as they get them, they lose them. No clue here. But I'm telling you, that is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. Can you guys just tell yourself this right now? Just even close your eyes. and Say, Jesus, if I lose all my friends but I have you, you're worth it. If I am only being a friend while losing what I thought was my friends. It is worth it. Oh, God, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Oh, God, so if we lose all of our companions, but we, we, we bring the culture of heaven to earth, and we set a table for people to come to know Jesus, instead of set a table for people to magnify the name of Jesus and the cross of Christ and the gospel of Jesus goes out, at the table that we set, we just say, Jesus, it's worth it. Thank you, God, that you've got us. You stick closer than a brother. You really, really care. God, I just pray right now for people, maybe if this is you guys, if you're hurt by friend, friendships, that just, that, friendships that just hurt, relationships that just hurt, loss in your life that just hurt, it's almost, it's traumatizing. I know the pain well. It's traumatizing right now. Can, can you just offer that up to God for a moment? Say, God, I, just, I give you this. I give you this. I give you them. And even right now, even as hard as it is, just say, God, the person who left me, the person who hurt me, the person who whatever me, I pray your best into that person's life. Help them to come to know Jesus if they don't know you. God, bless them. Bless their future. Bless their present. Redeem their past. God, these are the kind of people we want to be. Thank you, Jesus, that you modeled this for us. Thank you, Jesus, that we can walk in this today. And we're sorry for where we haven't carried this well. But Jesus, we say today, we're a Jesus church. We're Jesus people. We're doing this the Jesus way. Come on, Lord. We need power to do this. And we welcome it right now. I ask all these things. In the precious name of Jesus, who paid for us while we were your enemies, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.